He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Adelaide Heward Mills. Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Adelaide Heward Mills. Let the rain of your presence fall on me. Choir, please help me. Every day Let the rain of your presence fall on me. your presence. Ask for his presence in a tangible way. Ask for the presence of God who visits you individually. Love divine. Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we ask the presence of God. 
one has ever come into your presence and left the same. I pray in the name of Jesus and I take over this place in the realm of the spirit. I pull down every principality, every power, the rulers of the darkness of this world. I overcome them in the name of Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb. I ask for a spiritual penetration by your spirit. I ask for the angelic presence of God. I ask, oh God, that your word shall go and accomplish that for which it is gone, oh God. I pray that the word will not come back void. I come against every opposition, every high thing that sets itself above the knowledge of God. Be abased in the name of Jesus. Be abased in the name of Jesus. Be abased in the name of Jesus. And let Jesus be lifted up that men may be drawn to him. We take over this place, oh God. And we see angels descending and ascending. And we see the visitation of your spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Please take your seats. Praise the Lord. Well, it's always a joy to be here. And it's always a privilege to be a vessel that God chooses to use. Hallelujah. I bring you greetings from Accra and from the bishop. By the grace of God, he's doing well. And the church of God is marching on. I'm sure that you know that late last year, we suffered or seem to have suffered a setback. Amen. But I believe that God has a better plan for us. And by the grace of God, we are getting stronger. Our faith is becoming more meaningful. And the Lord is leading us from glory to glory. The church in Accra is growing by leaps and bounds. Where the people come from, we don't know. And we cannot explain because many people said to us, when you move to a new facility, usually people are not used to the place and all that, so it takes a while. Your numbers will go down, and then later you will climb up. But the predictions of men were not like we thought. Amen. Amen. Rather, the church has grown by leaps and bounds, and we don't even know the people. Amen. Amen. And it keeps growing. And when we look at it, we know that it's the doing of the Lord. And it's just so marvelous in our eyes. Hallelujah. And I pray and trust that that same God will take us through. Amen. We're also in London last week. And God was gracious there. We are always grateful to God because it's his word. It's not our imagination. It's not something we dream up. But it's the divine word of God. And so it has a certain impact that only God can bring about. Hallelujah. Amen. We have been to Zambia this year. And we have been to Tamale in the north. We've been to Teshi. Amen. We are believing God to go to many more places in and around Ghana and in Africa. Amen. Amen. It was a wonderful thing to be in Zambia and to see Lighthouse Chapel members in the Lighthouse Chapel Church. And I knew the missionary and his wife. They were well settled. The man was a, a budding and successful architect in Kumasi. Amen. And his wife was also 
a good businesswoman and also working professionally on the side. But they trusted God and they went to Zambia. And every time I go to such places, something in me is stirred up. And what the Holy Spirit says to me is, you will never know the price of your disobedience until you obey. So when I see the people, I say, ah, so if we hadn't come, or if we hadn't gone, we would never have known that this could have happened. And many times, when we disobey, we don't see the far-reaching effects of our disobedience. If Jesus had not come, God sent us, I can't go. A lot of things would have, but we wouldn't have seen. Oh, this would have been born again. Our lives would have been straightened. We wouldn't see that. So may we not wait to see the price of our disobedience, but may we obey so that we'll see the price of our obedience. Yes. Amen. Amen. And I also want to greet you here in Zurich and in Switzerland, where Jesus is alive and well. It's a miracle that Jesus is alive and well here. As we were going around the airport in Amsterdam, we saw a book. And the title was, God is not great. Or God is not so great. And then underneath it, they've written the poison of religion. And then there was another one. And I said to my assistants, only in Europe, the demonic forces here are something else. And the amazing thing is that Europe has more and yet it has more problems. It has more issues. You know, when you look, oh, but this one, the Bible answers it. This one, Christ has an answer, but there would none of him. And I pray that there will come a revival in Europe. Amen. That God will visit his people again. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And so thank God for you in this part of Europe. And thank God that there's always a remnant that calls on the name of the Lord. Remember that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And that Christ being in your life makes all the difference. Some of us, it is just by the mercy of, in fact, all of us, that we are in his presence today. That even your life is normal and you are sane. It is the gift of God. So bless you. God bless you for shining the light of the gospel from this side of the world. And I believe that the light is going to get brighter and brighter. As we go along, I want to salute your Gio for his great work, his tenacity, his strength, and all the pastors and their wives, and all the shepherds that make the work here possible. Paul said in Genesis often, it's not easy to always travel. It's not easy to always travel for anything. And when I was coming to Europe this time, I said to God, everything in me wants to stay in Ghana. Everything in me. Because there were so many things that I wish I didn't have to leave at that time. But I think that if we are waiting for a perfect moment, it will never come. If you are waiting for a perfect moment to serve God, the Bible says, he that observes the wind will not sow. You will never say, oh, when my children grow, or when, when your children grow, they have more teenage challenges. That one too is another issue. So every season will bring its own challenges. So today, if you hear his voice, today, turn to the person next to you and say, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. There's no perfect world coming anywhere. Amen.
So I believe that these three days, the Lord will meet us at the point of our need. And the Lord will bless us greatly. Amen. Amen. I'm going to be very brief this evening. And um, I just want to talk to you about daughter, don't be afraid. Hallelujah. Daughter, don't be afraid. Amen. First Peter chapter 3 verse 6. Before we get into the heart of what we want to say. First Peter chapter 3 verse 6. First Peter chapter 3 verse 6. Daughter, don't be afraid. Are we there? Oh, there's a big screen here. I can even read from there. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord... And the verse we are looking for is the one after the colon. Whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Amen. Amen. Whose daughters you are, as long as you do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. King James says, as long as you do well, and are not struck, with any amazement. The Bible is saying that if we want to be daughters of Sarah, whose name is recorded in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, then we have to do certain things that Sarah did. And it says that you don't just get up and say, oh, Sarah was somebody who followed God, so I'm also her daughter. No. It says that if you want to be like Sarah and you want to Bring forth the fruit that Sarah brought forth so that her name is on God's role of honor. And God says that she counted him faithful who had promised to her. If you want to come to that place, then you have to behave like a daughter of Sarah. And a daughter of Sarah, you, you are a daughter of Sarah as long as you do well. Number one. And number two, and are not struck with amazement or are not afraid with amazement. Many daughters do well, but as they go on in the journey of life, the things they see, the things they hear, the things they experience gives them slaps. And they become all stricken and we become struck with amazement. Sometimes we are so amazed, so afraid, so terrified that we never move on again. From the time that that thing slapped you. You know, sometimes you are not expecting a slap, so you see stars. As long as you are not struck with any amazement. And what are the things that women fear? There are certain common fears of women. The fear of not getting married. Oh God, don't you see how old I am? Oh God, don't you see that life is passing me by? It's not just the feeling, but the fear at a certain point that 
Hey, will I ever get married? Will my dream come to pass? We become afraid. The fear of not having a child. The fear of marrying the wrong person. Sometimes you are so careful that in the end you marry the wrong person. Because your carefulness is too much. It becomes human strength and human effort. Hallelujah. More than a reliance on the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit is doing something, it's with ease. When the Holy Spirit is doing something, it's without sweat. But when you are doing something and you can't sleep and you are sweating, human sweat, cold sweat, it's not God. Hallelujah. The fear of marrying the wrong person has made you end up marrying the wrong person. Because fear can lead you into many things. And fear can make you not see when you should see properly. Because you are blinded by your fears. The fear of poverty and financial difficulties makes us feel that I have to secure my future. I have to ensure myself. You have become a queen of self-interest. And you are doing all that you can to avoid a personal recession in your life. Oh, but except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Have you not heard that stock markets crash? Have you not heard that 9-11 people's investment just went waste? Have you not heard that the dollar can suddenly fall and the Swiss arms can suddenly become weaker? Cursed is he who puts his trust in man. Can you hear that? Do you not know that? People cannot even pay their mortgages. They planned. They meant well. But things have changed. The politician gave a promise. The law was there. But after that, oil prices hit an all-time high. And you couldn't control that one. Daughter, don't be afraid. The fear of your children not doing well. The fear of your husband becoming interested in another woman. The fear of your husband not loving you anymore. It happens. So it's not that you just get up and you dream a fear. It is real. It is said that the word fear is F-E-A-R. False evidence appearing real. The evidence is false, but you think that it's evidence, but it's false. And it appears so real. And some of us have lived so much under the bondage of fear that we don't know the reality anymore. And the lie has become the truth. And we live with it. The fear of becoming a widow. You see, when God called Mrs. Saki home on the 18th of December, 2007, around 11 a.m., we were not expecting it. Not even physically. You know, sometimes somebody is sick and then you can see that the person is not recovering and you can see that or they'll tell the person has this disease and you know that it's by faith and you are exercising your faith and you are involved in the fight of faith. This one was no such thing. Amen. Amen. She even called me when she was coming from the crusade. Very cheery, happy. Oh, I'm on the motorway. 
I've come home now. I'm just going to the office. And I say, hey, just now you came to, you are going to the office. Try and go home small. He said, oh, no, no, no. She even laughs. No, I'm just picking up my car. I'm not really going to work. But I've got some slight malaria. But I'm getting better. That was it. It was Friday. And then we got involved with the Robert Lydon uh, crusade and all that. And every time the husband came out, I'd ask him, how is your wife? Oh, she's well, Clara. She's well. Oh, today when I asked her, she said she has no pain whatsoever. She's just feeling weak. So I think very soon she'll be okay. Monday morning, I was drinking tea, I tell you. I was relaxing Monday morning with my husband and I was drinking tea. And then he had a phone call. And when I said, he said, what? Huh? Who? And then I got very upset. I put my cup of tea down and I said, who is it? What are they saying? Who? You see, you can't get into what they are saying. Who? What? And then he just said, ah, tea, I'll be there. I said, what? Who? So, it's just like he has to take you to the hospital. But I thought it was one of those things. And even he didn't even arrange with me that. So how are we going? I was left. So when I looked, I said, ah, what do we hear? Let me also <laughs> put my act together and just follow. I tell you, when I was about 10 minutes to the place, the Holy Spirit spoke to me that that was it. Not in words. I just saw twice. And I kept saying in my car, no, the devil is a liar. I was speaking in tongues. The driver was driving, but I mean, I didn't have anything to do with him. And then about five minutes to the hospital, my husband called and said, mommy, she didn't make it. I said, she didn't what? She didn't what? I started to shout in the car. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. And all the things that went with it. And then this year, in February, <laughs> I was home in the morning again. One of our pastors called me. Oh, I'm just rushing Mrs. Addy to the hospital and I wanted you to know. Immediately. Because of what I had been through before, I was having bad thoughts. And I started to rebuke her. Oh, devil, you are a liar. I resist the spirit of fear. Oh, confessions upon confession. And this time, my husband was not at home. All the bishops had gone for a, a, a retreat somewhere. So, so what is happening? So she okay? So she, and I didn't get to speak to her too. So my heart was beating. And then the pastor who was taking her, the wife called me and said, oh, the way you were asking the questions, and I thought that Mr. Sadi should speak to you so that you would be assured. So Mrs. Adi spoke to me okay. and said, oh, I'm in pain, but I mean, I can walk and I can this, man. I mean, I'm just going. I'll be okay. What? When she got there, she was admitted. It wasn't easy for me. The fear of what you have seen, what you have heard, what you have experienced can cripple you. And Mr. Saki said to me later that as soon as I also got that call, bad things started to occur to me. Why is it that before this experience, if we got that call, those things will not occur to us? Because as you go along the path of life, you are doing well. 
till you are struck with amazement. And when you are struck with amazement, if you don't take care, you may not recover. You will look normal, you'll be, but something in you is not normal. And because it's not normal, when you go and marry, you are an abnormal wife, but you look okay. You are an abnormal mother, but you look okay. You are an abnormal lady pastor, but you look okay. But that part is a broken part. And only God knows. Hallelujah. The Bible says God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I've listed some of your fe- our fears. So, the fear of being a widow, that's what took me to. Or a widower. First Samuel 17. It's a popular story we all know. Daughter, don't be afraid. Amen. Amen. Are we there? Verse Samuel 17. Verse 4. Hmm. Then a champion came out from the armies of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath. His height was six cubits and a span. And he had a bronze helmet on his head. And he was clothed with scale armor, which weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. He also had bronze greaves on his legs and a bronze javelin slung between his shoulder. And the shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And the head of his spear weighed 600 shekels of iron. His shield carrier also walked before him. And he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel and said to them, Why do you come out? To draw up in battle array. Am I not the Philistines, Philistine and you servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and save us. Again the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Faith comes by hearing. Fear also comes by hearing. And Satan will always let the person to intimidate you look very, very, very frightening. Look at Goliath, one battle that you are coming to fight. You say you are already a champion. Why have you overarmed yourself? Because you are so big in stature, you are already great, but you want to make yourself scary. You have iron here, your spear in between your shoulder, your face cannot be seen. You've made yourself hideous and frightful. And those are the weapons that Satan uses against us. Sometimes the circumstances are frightening. The circumstances look overpowering like a Goliath. 
And he doesn't send small boys. He sends a champion. The Bible says there came a champion out of the Philistines and said, a champion. Somebody who is used to winning. Somebody who fights at a certain level. That's the kind of person that Satan will send your way. And he will make sure that you lose the battle before the fight starts. It's called psychological warfare. Because when you see, what you see affects you. Hallelujah. And many of us, the things we have seen growing up, the things we have seen on the journey of life, the things we have seen that have not worked, those things are our Goliaths. And they look so frightening. And then after that, he spoke. So it's not just the seeing, it's also the hearing. Hallelujah. He stood and shouted. Satan will shout so that you will hear clearly. Sometimes he whispers, depending on how. The thing is, he shouted and said that, why are you, I am a Philistine, but you are servants of Saul. If you are talking about nationality, you are a Philistine, we are Israelites. But how do you say you are a Philistine, but you, you are servants of Saul. Satan will always question your identity. And he will always make you feel small that, are you, are you really who God says you are? Are you really what the Bible says? Is the greater one really in you? Are you sure about what you are saying? Do the verses you speak really work? Is the Bible really powerful? Is the fetish and things not more powerful than that? Amen. And sometimes you get Christians visiting places they shouldn't visit. Because the fetish before you enter, what you experience, you'll be afraid. But our God is a God of love, so you just come. I love you, I love you. So it's not powerful. I want something that I have to do. Something that I have to perform. Something spectacular. One white chicken, one goat. And many people live by that, no matter how educated, no matter how enlightened. Even if they are in Europe, they'll go to Ouija boards, they'll go to psychics, they'll go to because they look frightening and powerful. But that is the work of Satan. Because he has to make himself look frightening and strange. And anything shrouded in fear is not God. Anything that is shrouded in fear is not God. Hallelujah. And he will make you feel like if you don't take charge of your destiny, look, things will not happen well for you. If you don't do something about your future, you won't like where you will end up. Sometimes you have sleepless nights because your head is on the pillow like that. Satan whispers things. You turn it, he whispers. Yes, so that's what creates the restlessness on the pillow. He's there fully. He's manifesting fully and what you see and what you hear affects you. Hallelujah. Amen. The army had come out to fight. They were clad in armor and all that. That's why Saul could give his armor to David because they were well dressed and everything for battle. But when they saw the enemy, 
Fear alone paralyzed them. Satan will use paralysis because when you are afraid, you won't go for it. When you are afraid, you won't take a step. When you are afraid, you won't dare. So that paralysis that is created by fear will let you just... It's okay. It's not going to work. This church that I've been sent to make a branch for it, will it work? Satan will say, can't you see only two people came? Can't you see when you start the hard way, only two people came? You have to, you have to, you have to, it won't work. So you see and then you look at that and you never go for it. You will hear scandalous stories and it will affect you. Say, all men of God are divorcing. What will happen to my marriage? But the Bible says, looking unto Jesus. Because when you look at the things around you, they are intimidating. And they are fearful. And you know that you are a mortal man. But when you look up, you will see the greater one. Hallelujah. And fear, you see, Satan is, is is not somebody who is not able to do things. It's not true. He does it. That's what the Bible says, the greater one. The things on the earth, they are great. They are great, but the greater one puts us over. Hallelujah. There's so many things we fear. One of them is the fear of man. The fear of man. Hmm. Proverbs 19. The fear of man. When Saul and all Israel heard these words, they were dismayed and greatly, greatly, greatly afraid. Hmm. The Lord is blessing us. Proverbs 29. Did I say 19? 29. Proverbs 29. Verse 25. Brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. The fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. Hallelujah. What is a snare? A snare is a trap. A snare is something that when you fall in, when you fall into a trap, it's very difficult to come out. You don't know how to come out, you don't know how to. You are trapped, and therefore, you cannot go into any action because you've fallen into a trap. And the Bible says that the fear of man is a snare. And many of us never become what God wants us to be because we are so afraid of the opinions of men. And we are so afraid of the judgments of men. Oh, they'll laugh at me. Oh, they'll ridicule me. I'll look queer. When I talk about Jesus, I'll look queer. When I do this, I will not be liked. I will be isolated. The fear of man is a snare. And many of us walk with the fear of man. You are so afraid of that husband God gave you. 
so afraid that he's your God more than God. He rules you. Eternity is on your throne. You are so afraid of it. So many women are afraid. So they don't speak their minds. They don't have an opinion. They don't share their views. That, I mean, years of intimidation. It's a snare. A fear of man. Now you can't even tell him the truth. The empress robes. He's not wearing clothes. Instead of you telling him he's naked, you say, your clothes are very nice. The fear of man. If we had relied on the fear of man, we would not have obeyed God in the ministry. Because the fear of man is very great. And it's a major temptation. And the way people look at us, are you normal? And then when you go into your closet, you ask, will it work? And am I normal? I myself. This thing that I'm doing, am I normal? The fear of man. I've told you many times when I wanted to come into full-time ministry, the fear of man was a temptation for me. What man will say? What man will think? What man will deduce? So because of that, I'll just stay as an attorney. I don't want trouble. I want peace. You see, when I was young, I used to think that when you are peaceful, you also have peace. And when you are contentious, then you have contentions. But I've come to see that trouble comes uninvited. Amen. And my favorite verse was, blessed are the peacemakers. Because I thought that if you're a peacemaker, certain things don't come your way. But look, you can be in your corner. Trouble will come for you. The fear of man. Somebody, somebody said to me at the time, this time that you are going into full time, this is the time the church is under attack in Kolegono. So how do you know how secure this thing will be? And some of my friends who are attending said to me that, you see, Adelaide, men change. I know Mr. This from rags to riches. And it's true. Your wife will suffer with you. Later when you become big, you don't even remember her. When you are small, you say, well, let's put our money together. When you become big, you say, keep your money, I keep mine. <laughs> so they said, men change. And as your father has paid and educated you all these years, you are going to put your job on hold and follow a man. A man who can change and change his mind. Your whole life's work. Is it worth it? And the fear of man, it makes sense. Amen. My boss said to me, I hope you are not going to do that thing that your husband is doing. And somebody told me, you know, these charismatic churches, they don't treat their pastor's wives well. And they gave me statistics of people I even know. And stories I already knew. So when this prophet's wife died, the church came and chucked her out of the house and locked the door. 
And the driver said, Madam, you are suffering. I have one room. Come and stay with me. How do you think the story ended? It's not a fairy tale. How do you think the story ended? I think that the lady was so vulnerable. At that time, I think that the charismatic church was not mature enough to handle what happened to them. So they said, you are a pastor's wife. You are not our employee. You are not on our payroll. But when you are making the sacrifices, they don't remember that you are not their employee. And you are not on their payroll. So when they asked her to move out, and she went to stay in the driver's house, then she married the driver. Then now the whole Ghana was this prophet's wife. But I think that she was so vulnerable and so broken and had nobody. So at that time when she was driven, she just went to stay there, not ever thinking that she would become Mrs. Driver. <laughs> when they gave me all these scenarios, I said, hey, I don't have a retirement plan. I don't have a pension plan. The fear of man. It's God. It's frightening. And the things sound true. The Holy Spirit said to me, but who called you? And I said, oh God, you called me. So is it your husband who called you? No. So when they said, are you doing it for a man? I said, I'm doing it for the man, the one up there. Amen. The man. Hallelujah. Amen. And whatever you go through, I know that God will take care of you. Amen. But the fear of man could have paralyzed me. Well, what if, you see, what if this? What if that? Everything you are weighing, you are a management, a crisis management and risk management factor consultant. And you want to do the same in your life, but you'll find out many times that you are not in control. It's God who is in control. The fear of man is a snare. And your life is not in any man's hands. Your life is in the hands of Almighty God. Hallelujah. But many times, because your boss decides, because this person decides, because they say, oh, what will this person do to me? But God can tell that person that night, I need you in heaven. I need you tonight in heaven. That husband, that when he's coming, you are so afraid. Oh, what can he do? Oh. Amen. The fear of man is a snare. And the fear of man will not help us to go forward. The fear of sudden destruction. Proverbs chapter 3. Hallelujah. Amen. Daughter, don't be afraid. The fear of sudden destruction. Proverbs 3, 25. Proverbs 3.25, do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor of the destruction or onslaught of the wicked when it cometh. For the Lord will be your confidence, and he will keep your feet from being taken. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Do not be afraid of sudden fear, of sudden destruction when it cometh. Hallelujah. A lot of the things, the reason why we fear is we look at people and say, this thing happened suddenly. Mm. 
Like I was telling you about my sister, it was sudden. You see, and then so that sudden fear grips you. And that is why you are just walking on the road and then you are struck with amazement. Sudden fear, sudden distraction. It's sudden. You go here, oh, somebody's daughter has been knocked down by, hey, what can happen to my children? Hey, and I have to look. Oh, my God. And if you listen to and watch Sky TV, oh, they'll give you many reasons why, 25 reasons why you should be afraid. My husband and I always ask for this channel. Every day they are killing people. Bones are being discovered in somebody's house. Something is going on. But if you look at sudden destruction, even 9-11, you won't fly. You won't fly. You won't preach the gospel. You won't obey God. You say, let me just be here. You see, I met a white lady in South Africa flying for the first time to Australia. The woman was weeping, weeping. As we were waiting, she was weeping. I didn't know why. So I went up to her and I said, oh, so why are you weeping so much? I was with Lady Professor Bridget Mayan. And she said, can you tell me what it's like in the aeroplane? I've never sat on an aeroplane. And Australia is so far. I don't know what's going to happen to me in between South Africa and Australia. She was red with tears. And I said, but why are you going anyway? If you are so afraid. And she said she had a dear friend who left South Africa during the apartheid just before they got independent. And that friend settled in Australia and now wants to see her. She's a very, very close friend. So she wants to go and the friend has bought her a ticket and everything. But, you see, it would be okay if you could just close your eyes and be there. But then now she has to go into this thing. I tell you, at the time, it wasn't even funny. Even walking, the woman couldn't walk. Her steps were very, when they called us to come. And she asked me, so my bag, what will I do with it? She has not seen inside the airplane before. So I said, what are you afraid of? It's a plane crash, death. So it's, oh. it's because you have no one to trust in. And you have no one to depend on. Said, really? She said, but she asked me, for you, are you not afraid? No. Anything can happen. But I know that God's hand is in everything. Ah, God? And she kept on weeping. I had to walk her literally to her seat. And she asked me, so what do I do with my bag? I said, there are things up there. You open. And then you put your bag in. She wouldn't open her eyes. She wouldn't look. She wouldn't. And I said to her, when we get to Sydney, she said she was also transiting. So from there, she would be going onward to Auckland or somewhere. Auckland. I said, when we get there, I will lead you to your transit place and then I'll sort you out. But you'll be okay. But unfortunately, I also have to go back to my seats. <laughs> and when I went back, as I was going back, I said, look, it's only God who can take care of us. After reassuring this woman, giving her all the rubs that I could give her, I had to leave her and go back to my seat. And when we got to Sydney, I couldn't find her. I said, Auckland, where are they going? It, it was all... I don't know what became of her. But the Lord shall be your confidence. Amen. Not man. 
Because I have limitations. I'll make a promise I won't see you. I'll make a promise circumstances will change. I'll make a promise I've fallen asleep during the flight. Oh, but our God, he neither slumbers nor sleeps. The Lord shall be your confidence. And many times, God will allow the things that are your confidence to be shaken. Because it is only then that you will see that the Lord is your confidence. The things that are your confidence are, oh, financially, I'm in charge. God will show you that you are not in charge. You are a mother, you are in the house. You feel that you have eagle's eyes everywhere. Before you know, your child has fallen down, but you were there. If it were somebody else, you would have said she's careless. But this one, you were there. Do not be afraid of sudden fear. Of sudden distraction. When it cometh, we will have a lot of Christian surprises. We'll have things we didn't plan for. Like the calling home of Mrs. Saki. But it's the Lord who will be your confidence. Not statistics. Not what people have been through. Not your genetic and genealogical experiences. But the Lord shall be your confidence. I always pray, Lord, help me so that my confidence will be in the right place. Because as men, our confidence shifts. Your confidence can be in other things. Lord, help me so that my confidence will always be in the right place. So the Lord shall be your confidence and he will not allow your foot to be taken. If God puts you in a position, nobody can move you from there. (laughs) Because it's God. Let the Hamans come into your life. Let the Hamans have a plan. And you know what? Your Haman will always seem to be getting bigger. Because at a point, the king called him, and when Haman said, we have to annihilate these, these Jews and finish them, the king called him, gave him ropes, promoted him, gave him a ring. So when you are looking at that, your Goliath will seem to be magnified more and more. And if you are Mordecai and Esther, when you look, you say, hey, Haman is not being demoted. Though. He's rather growing fatter. You know, when we're going through our crisis in Kolegono, we prayed against the people. We prayed that they will see that God is with us. And as Bishop said, they were rather growing fatter. They were rather prospering more as we saw them around there. But the Lord shall be your confidence. And he will not allow. He will not permit your foot, your place, your position to be taken. When you know that as a wife, you will stop fighting unnecessary battles. He will not allow your foot. That foot that stood there and said, I do. The Lord will not allow it to be taken. Hallelujah. But that happens when the Lord is your confidence. No when other things are your confidence. But when the Lord is your confidence, he will not allow your foot to be taken. Some of us, our confidence is in our marriages. So, once we have two salaries, I'm secure. Once we have the, I'm okay. Once we have a home, I'm all right. Once we do, you are not all right. Oh. <laughs> You're not all right. These things cannot be your confidence. It cannot be. I have come to see that sudden distraction is real. Amen. Because when I went to the car, I saw this like, I said, Bishop Saki, your wife is not dead. And he said, Mommy, eh. I said, she's not dead. Touch her and see. She's warm. 
I couldn't accept it. And I lifted her. I gave her a hug. I kissed her. I said, she's alive, Bishop Saki. There's nothing wrong with her. He said, is that so? I said, it is so. I said, don't allow them to take her to the mortuary. She's okay. He said, eh. It's like the two of us against who? <laughs> against the hospital officials. But as time went on, and I had to leave, and I saw that it's God who is your confidence. There's nothing. Because so you say, what did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong? All those things will be shaken. The Lord will let you know that it doesn't depend on your righteousness. It doesn't depend on your holiness. It doesn't depend on your goodness. The Lord is your confidence, not your goodness. Not your righteousness. The Lord. Hallelujah. The Lord shall be your confidence. So when I look at the Healing Jesus um, DVDs, and I see they have to plow a whole road before they'll go. And when the trucks are going up, they get stuck. And when this and that. Hey, if I want to have sleepless nights, I have a lot of my... If I want things to think about, I have a lot of material. But I said, Lord, you are my confidence. Not the statistics, not the things I hear, not the things I see, but you. The Lord shall be your confidence. And he will not allow, he will not allow your foot to be taken. You will go through the things, yes, but you will not go under. Amen. When Jesus was crossing with his disciples, you see, one thing I don't understand about God, we were all happily somewhere. Then you said, come, let's go to the other side. We haven't said we want to travel anywhere. It's not our idea. It's not our petition. We didn't ask you. We're just there. And then you, Jesus, you send the crowd away. Oh, let's go to the other side. And we know that we are working with the King of Kings and the Lord. In fact, it has not even occurred to us that something bad could happen. And the Bible says as they were going, there were also other little ships, the book of Mark says, with them. So as the other little ships are there, Jesus' ship is also there. We are going. Then suddenly, suddenly, there are many suddenness. If you are not struck with amazement. The striking will come, but overcome the amazement quickly. Don't be so baffled. <laughs> and move on. And the Bible says there arose a great storm. And the ship was being filled with water. That is what I don't understand about God. Lazarus has died. We've called you, you won't come. Four days when it's more difficult. You have made us embalm him, put him in the tomb, roll a stone. When you could just have come and stood by his bed and said, Lazarus, come forth. You have come to give us extra work. And then when you got there, you cried. What's the essence? You knew. Now you have started to cry. What is that? Crocodile tears. And Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the Bible. And Martha said, the Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And many of us, we don't want the experience. We want God to shield us from the experience. Like Martha. If you had been here, then I wouldn't have had to go through this. If you had been here, then I wouldn't have had to have this unpleasant experience. But God will allow you to go through it. Because he doesn't see the way you see. And he knows that you will be all right. So the storm was filling the, the ship. 
uh, or the boat. And then you, Jesus, even if you were awake, you know, like a captain or an anchor man, you are looking. Then we see that you are concerned, but you are asleep. It's not even that you are even aware of your environment. You are actually asleep. And in many times in our walk with God, he will seem to be asleep. But his presence is there. He may be asleep, but his presence is with us. Hallelujah. And so they have to come and wake you up in the midst of the storm. Can't you hear? The ship is filling up. It's shaking. There are storms. There's wind. At least feel the water under your feet or something. You are asleep. Because God is not, it's not ruffled like we are by the events of this life. He just knows that you will be okay. So they are woke up. Carest not thou that we perish. And that's the reason why we go into fear. Because we feel he doesn't care that we perish. Carest thou not. Carest thou not that we perish. And then he got up and rebuked. You see, if you rebuke, Rebuke it early so we don't even have a storm. But you wait. We have a full-blown storm. Almost. The delay tactics of God. Lazarus, four days. The thing is smelling. The embalmed medicines have gone into the body more. You are now coming to say, and, and wrap him and let him go, you know? But that's why his ways are not our ways. And so you go through the fearful experience. You will see the storm here. Your heart will sink. You will see the boisterous winds. Your heart will sink. But in the midst of it, he will stand up at the right time and rebuke the winds. That is God. Daughter, don't be afraid. Hallelujah. But we think that fear means something bad will not happen to you, then you will not be afraid. No. You will have a lot of opportunity to be afraid. And you will have good reason. It's not that you won't see things that will make you afraid. You will have experiences that will make you afraid. You will see them. You will experience them. But in the midst of it, he's saying, let me be your confidence. The Lord shall be your confidence. And when I had Mrs. Sadi was sick, I went to visit her in the hospital. What's wrong with you? And this and then she was telling me, you know, I also thought I would just go. I said, hey, sister. Don't, don't say even the things you are saying. And I said, it occurred to me too. Confessions of a window cleaner. We all made our confessions. <laughs> but you will have a fearful experience. That's what I'm trying to say. You will have a fearful time in the boat. You have a fearful time when your Lazarus will seem not to rise up. You will have all those fearful experiences. But in the midst of it, he says, fear not. Amen. So why are you afraid? I mean, God, you can ask some questions. Why are you afraid? Can't you see why? Isn't it obvious? In law, we say the matter speaks for itself. Does the matter not speak for itself? But in the midst of it, he says, fear not. Because when you are afraid, you will never become what God wants you to be. When a woman wants to conceive a baby and she's afraid, anxious, all uptight, she will never be fertile. It's the same as life. Nature does not thrive in fear. Nature does not thrive in anxiety. God does not work in such environment. I mean, the Holy Spirit doesn't feel free in a tense atmosphere of fear. Do not be afraid of sudden distraction, nor of the distraction of the wicked. When it cometh, because it will come, 
For the Lord will be your confidence. And he will not allow. Turn to the person next to you and say, he will not allow your foot to be taken. Hallelujah. So lady pastor, how do we overcome fear? You said, don't be afraid. How do we overcome fear? Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Fear makes us suspicious. Fear gives us overtime work. There was a radio talk show on Ghana television. They said that hey, these days, they also did it on BBC survey. They said that since, um, since mobile phones came, many relationships have been destroyed. So they said, explain why. It's because now people hide to make calls. At first it was a landline. So if your husband and wife you are there, everybody can hear what everybody has to say. But now, somebody can go into the bathroom, somebody can go into the garden, somebody can go into different places. And so that is not helping. And then, Sometimes, like everything else, people also forget their phones and leave them around. And their spouses go and look at it. Sweetheart, when shall we meet, huh? What heart? What heart? Somebody told me in church, I replied the text. I said, he's not coming anywhere. You are not meeting anywhere. I have replied the text myself. And a pastor's wife came to me and said, look, sister, man, when I read the text, eh, my heart, the things that people can say, that's, have you spoken to us? I've spoken to my husband, but Charlie, the way it is, I said, sister, guard your heart. Don't look at the phone anymore. Hey, can I survive? I said, you can survive. <laughs> because now, even seemingly innocent texts, you will now be reading into it because of what you are afraid of. So leave it. And allow God to fight for you. The Lord will be your confidence. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody saw it. I said, That's, my husband has gone to tell a girl in church, I like your blouse today. I said, number one, you must know that, excuse me, men can be very foolish sometimes. No. I like your blouse. Oh, no, you are wearing my favorite blouse today or something. So it was a big beast. I've called, I've been called to go and solve such a beast. And the man will say that, but this text is innocent. Why does she think that? Long matter. And after that, now the wife is always looking for the phone. Let me see. What's happening? Can you be the policeman of your spouse? Can you be everywhere? Even private detectives can be everywhere. Can you install CCTV in your house, in this car, at work? There was a couple like that. So much fear, the marriage is now broken. Because every time, where have you been? What interrogation. But you and I know that if we want to be bad, we don't need anybody's permission. But all things are naked unto him. Unto him with whom we have to do. 
And because of these fears, you see, we have seen the badness of women before. And we have seen strangeness before. So when we say, this, I know. I know. And because you know, you overreact. And you destroy an otherwise good thing. You see, and you have made yourself prosecutor, attorney for marital affairs, minister of interior and domestic affairs. And you are never at peace because you are looking. Some people say, I look in his pocket. I looked on his shirt. I saw a lipstick. I looked at the... If you see the telltale signs, talk to your husband about it. But if you are looking for evidence, you will find a lot. But it will be false evidence appearing real. And in the end, we destroy our relationships. And we didn't intend to do that. But when the Holy Ghost is your policeman, oh my God. And when you get down on your knees, say, ministering angels, I dispatch you. Go and do your work. And then after that, you curl and sleep. Because the angels are at work. But you, even six hours, you can't keep watch. Four hours, you can't keep watch. The Lord shall be your confidence. And he will not allow your foot to be moved. Hallelujah. You will always have evidence of the real. You will always be in the boat. You will see a storm for real. You will see the wind for real. But that should not lead you. That should not be your guiding post. Your guiding post should be the presence of the Lord in the ship. Because it makes all the difference. Hebrews chapter 2 and we are ending. Hebrews. Have you ever come here? Hebrews chapter 2. Anyway. subject to slavery or to bondage all their lives. When you are afraid of something, it now becomes your Lord. And it now becomes a shackle. And it now becomes a prison. And you become the prisoner. So he says, so that he may deliver them who through fear of death were subject or slaves unto death or in bondage to death all their lives. The thing that you fear that you want to go far When you walk in the spirit of fear, it rather overcomes you, shackles you, and holds you in bondage. So through fear of death, we we were afraid. 
But because we were afraid, we became slaves to death. Ever you allow to be so afraid of, that thing rules you. And then you become a servant of that thing. But the Bible says that Jesus became man and died. Verse 14. He partook himself of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death. The best way to overcome something you fear is to act as if you don't fear. <laughs> so say, here is death. And Jesus said, if it's death, I'm going to go through it so that the power of it will be broken. If it's going, it's this fear of being financially broke. I'm going to go through. I'm going to live as if I don't have that fear. If it's fear of preaching, I'm going to get up there. I'm going to start speaking as if I don't have that fear. If it's fear of my marriage, I'm going to let it lose and let it go as if I don't care about it. But that will break the power of that fear over me. So through death, he conquered he who had the power of death. So the best way to break the power of fear over our lives is to do the opposite of, you know, you know that when I'm afraid, I'll react this way. But when I'm not afraid, I'll behave this way. So I'll choose the one that is like I'm not afraid. Hallelujah. I will behave as if I am not afraid. But if you stand there contemplating, shall I, what shall I do? How will it be? You are forecasting. You have now a weatherman. You are like, how will it be? Will it rain? How should I? No. As I sit here wondering whether it will rain, I'm going to go into the rain. Whatever will happen should happen. Amen. I'm going to preach. Whether the people are blessed, whether they sleep, I'm just going to preach. That's all. Who through fear of death overcame him who had the power of death? Because he died himself. So when he dies, Satan, you have been dangling the keys of death, and I'm, I'm so afraid. I'm now asking, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass, and all these type of things. Now I yield myself. Okay, death, uh, come, I'm here. Uh, now flex your muscle, I'm here. And then he met Satan in hell. And Satan said, oh, I thought all your people were afraid of death. I have gone through, so I've come to deliver all of them. That he might deliver them who through death were subject unto death all their lives. What you are afraid of, you become a slave of. What you are afraid of will rule you. What you are afraid of will be a bondage. But Jesus came this evening to set us free. We have to face our fears and call it what it is. And the Bible says, the psalmist says, he delivers me from all my fears. We all have varied fears. Most of them are similar. Our fears are similar. When you have a good thing, you say, what can happen? You see, when we first moved into our house in 1992, I mean, I think nowadays, if you people were moving in, or the Christian, the young Christians of today, they perhaps would not have seen it as a blessing. Because for the younger people, everything has to be finished, you see. Shiny floor, shiny windows, remote control this. But it wasn't like that, okay? The ground was sand. There were no windows. Uh, plywood windows. When I put on my secondhand stove, the flame would go off because the wind <laughs> would blow in a certain way. But we felt so blessed at that age, you know, that... My mother-in-law had bought us a house. We felt so blessed. But we felt that we hadn't been married long. In fact, before we got married, she went around with us, but we couldn't locate what we liked. So when she bought this for us, we were so happy. 
But we were so happy that we got terrified that what could happen. But we didn't discuss that at that time that are you afraid or you are not afraid. But I thought about it that, hey, what if I die? What if my husband dies? What will happen? What's the future? So you would think that rather when you are blessed, you would be so happy and you would be thinking positive thoughts. But you, are think, you love the thing so much that what if I lose it? And so you then don't enjoy it anymore. You have now come into bondage. Then one day we went to a faraway place to visit somebody. When we were coming back, the guy was quiet. And then my husband asked me, since we moved, are you afraid? <laughs> I said, yes, I'm afraid. He said, of what? I said, I don't know. I feel that the way God has blessed us and I've become a bit uneasy. He said, oh, me too, I'm afraid. <laughs> Me too. Me too. That's when he shared this Hebrews 2 with me. Who through fear of death were subject unto death all their lives. And he said that if we become afraid, just because God has blessed us, we now have our own place, we are now thinking, what can go bad? You see, at first when you didn't have it, you were okay. Now when you have it, you are thinking of how to secure, how to build around. And then now because you have built this house, you don't even sleep. Every year, who is there? Who is going? So now the blessing has become a case. He said, I'm also afraid. But then I couldn't really diagnose. I asked him, why? And he said that because we are so happy about what God has done that we are now thinking we have to secure what can make us lose it. It's the same with a good marriage. It's the same with a good ministry. It's the same with a good life. It's the same with a good job. Whatever God gives, you start to now Make it an idol. And now you become subject and a slave to that thing. So he said, let's pray. It's demonic. It's not God. Because the blessing of the Lord, it makes rich and addeth no sorrow. So when there's sorrow, it's not God. There's a bondage in the thing. So we bowed our heads and we prayed. We said, God, forgive us for being afraid. And forgive us for wanting to secure the thing so much that now... We are thinking, what can happen? Who can come? How can we? Is everything okay? Is everything? So in the end, the joy of enjoying what you have goes out. And you are preoccupied with what if? What if? What if? What if? And it takes out everything. You have a child. You are happy. Say, I'm very happy. But what can happen? Then you start to think of a myriad of things that can happen. And this thing happens to I haven't been pregnant for a long time. The Lord has blessed me. I'm pregnant now. But what can happen? Then you start to read. Amniocentesis, Down syndrome. You get the statistics. Autism. Hey, this person's child has this. This person, when she had this at this age, this happened. You are blessed. But the blessing has brought fear. And now you are in bondage to that fear. But daughter... Don't be afraid. The Lord shall be your confidence. He will not allow your foot to be taken. Stand to your feet, please.
as if we don't have a God. I come against that attack of the enemy on their life. In your home, your marriage, your relationship, your future. In the name of Jesus, I speak the presence of God into that storm. I speak the presence of God into that wind. I speak the presence of God into that boat that is filling. I speak the presence of God into that Goliath that intimidates you. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Hewitt Mills, please visit at the Kodesh North Kaneshi or meet her on Facebook at Adelaide Hewitt Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.